just we're literally coming off kind of on breaking news, and I, I have to kind of work on confirming this, but. Mark Berman, I'm uh, just seeing it. Uh, Fox Sports is tweeting out that Houston defensive defensive end Derek Parrish suffered a torn bicep mm. in last night's game over Rice, and he'll need surgery. And that, that's the case; he'll probably be out for the season. So, let me see if I can confirm that before this show ends. But that would be a huge blow to Houston if if that's true. And and with that note, welcome to another <laughs> edition of Folks Talking Sports. That was. The voice in the face of Andy Yanez with that breaking news about, I think, the best defensive player, Houston's best defensive player, Derek Parrish, who was injured late. Oh, it's just lost Willie Gibson. There, what happened, Will? Um, late in the second quarter uh, last night of Saturday's win over Rice, 34-27 over the Rice Owls. I'm Chris Gardner, owner of the Houston Round Ball Review. You see Andy Yanez. Um, see if owner of Let's Rage Cougs. There we Got go. Head in there. We're uh, coming, owners coming, coming to Willie Gibson in Ohio. Sir. Uh, how are you, sir? Doing well. How are you? Doing well. Um, Both, gentlemen. Yes. And, and, and let me say, welcome to folks talking sports. I'm going to do better. It's on our Twitter account at folks talk sports. So we'll get that up on the screen. It's also available on the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel. Subscribe to the channel. Click the like button. Tell your friends about the show. Got to do a better job of, of self-promotion. As much as I harp on and criticize UH marketing, I don't do a good job promoting our work. So I got to do better doing that myself. So position heal thyself. So I'm trying to do part of that. Mr. Gibson, you were, you were kind of close. The game was much closer than... I think Andy thought and predicted. Uh, you yeah. said Rice would win flat out. Rice led at halftime. The Cougs had to come from behind to win. They only won by seven, 34-27. So they did not cover the 17-point spread, which I was didn't think that was going to happen anyway. But you were close, sir. Your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, not that I wanted to be right to be mean or spiteful, but I just think, I mean, the, the, it's the law to live. Stephen Covey, it's the law of the lid. And you don't need to go as high or as far as the head of any program, the head of any organization will take you. And I'm sorry, Daniel Ferguson, as the head of that organization, as the head of that program, is substandard to me. The things that he says, the things that he does. And I just thought the comment that he made uh, the week previous post game about needing better players. I didn't think that would sit well with his current players. And at a certain point, I think, yeah, they may not be playing for him, but I think at a certain point, you got to play for self. And I think now those guys are out there playing for self instead of him. And with that segue, Mr. Gibson, we got this clip to play for you. You're going to love this. Post-game comments from Coach Hogerson. You're going to love this. Check this Hmm. out, everybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do we get? We got the, the strip sack where Caesar scored, and then the pick, right? Then Tabo's pick. Yeah, I mean, you gotta get some turnovers to win. Um, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, we're we're somehow two and two. Um, you know, somehow won that game. Uh, give Rice a ton of credit. Uh, you know, Coach Bloomgren is, is coaching his tail off. Uh, they're a lot better. Uh, 
pretty motivated to play. <clears throat> you know, uh, we knew, uh, you know, coming into the season and the schedule setting up the way it is, I'm going to enjoy this one. And then six days later, we get to play an undefeated Tulane team uh, here. So yeah, it can't get any easier. Every game's going to be hard. Um, um, somehow we figured out a way to win. Um, I'm grateful for that. You know, a lot of stupid stuff once again. Um, I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't taking responsibility for that. I mean, at some point, they just we got to quit doing that. You know, um, I do like how some guys that haven't been playing very much, uh, you know, stepped in and, and played. I think we're down about 10, 12 starters somewhere in there. Never seen anything like it. Um, nobody cares. You know, uh, you lose guys. You expect to put guys in there to play at a high level. Just glad to get out of here with the win. Give Rice a lot of credit, man. They play hard. Coach He's horrible. Get him <laughs> out of there. Are you serious? I ain't taking responsibility for that. Then you're a piss poor leader. Are you kidding me? All right, man. All right. All right. All right. All right. Well, it sounds like you're reading a lot of the comments from the YouTube clip. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. All right. Okay. I mean, what else is there to say? We still have a piss poor penalties. I ain't taking responsibility for that. But you are the head coach of this program. Wow. Being paid millions of dollars to be the head coach. But you ain't taking responsibility for that. And in the interest of full disclosure, folks, I didn't see that. I was not aware of those comments when I said what I said. And that's crazy. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I saw the, a tweet of the quote. So I did not hear it until Andy played it to me before we started the show. So I knew you were going to love that. So, I mean, those comments are, they're, they're rubbing some alums the wrong way. Okay. That's what they should. And I hope they're rubbing the right alums the wrong way. The people who supported Coach Hoberson all this time and who excuse some of his quirks uh, you know, it's Dana being Dana, all those things. But y'all just heard it. He said it in post game. He ain't taking responsibility for the stupid penalties that have been happening for the first four games this season. He's the head coach. He's he's the head of the snake. He's I mean, what a pick of a think of a cliche. And but he is the head coach, but he's not taking responsibility for the stupid penalties. Can, can I contrast that? Yes. Can I contrast that? Please do. Ryan Day, post game of a 52 21 win over Wisconsin last night. It was 52 14. Um, wow. Breon um, Allen, running back for Wisconsin, runs 65 yards, a touch up the sideline for a touchdown to make it a five score game. Yeah. Okay. To make it a 31-point lead instead of a 38-point lead. Post-game, he was asked about it. He said, that's on me. That's on me. Jim Knowles, defensive coordinator. Jim Knowles, no, Jim wanted to keep starters in. I wanted to get guys out of there to keep them fresh, avoid injury. I got. We had some non-starters in there. That's on me. And a 31-point win. Right. But to hear that? Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. 
that that and let me, Andy, I'm going to ask you. <clears throat> I've heard from alums today. OK. Who are very disappointed. And I'm going to put this up right here. Disappointed, pissed off with the comment. Well, let me hold up. Hold up. Before I go, Tony, I put your comment up here. The buck stopped with him. If it wasn't football, any good boss takes responsibility for the good and the bad. Correct. Facts. Facts. Correct. Those are facts. I'm an owner of my company, and he's not owner of his. We, Will, you got your company. All of us. The buck stops with us when it comes to our companies. Period. I'm not going to, I ain't taking responsibility for that. Please. And let me say this, and before I go, I get into my next question. I think I texted it to you, and well, I think I did. Yeah, I think I sent it to you guys as well when I heard it. Beginning of the football game. The ESPN Plus broadcast, okay? The announcers. I forget the announcers. I know one of them was a former Rice quarterback. The announcers referenced, referenced Coach Hogerson and his vodka and Red Bull, okay? He is the example of the University of Houston football program, Dana Hogerson, and now national announcers know are acknowledging during a broadcast that Coach Hogerson is, is very straightforward before even his vodka and Red Bulls. I don't, as an alum, I don't want that representing my program. Okay? I don't have enough money to get him gone. All right? If I did, I'd make a phone calls right now. Because because that I didn't take responsibility. That was it. That that was it for me. But Andy, my question to you: I've heard from alums today who want him gone because of that comment. That was the final straw. You know, in addition to the very shaky win over the Rice Owls. So we're going back to the question: Who was going to pay the buyout to get rid of him? if we're so fed up with him as head coach, as a representative of the University of Houston. You got it, Andy. Uh, who, who's going to be the, the alumni that has to step up to, to get him gone? Is that what you asked? Well, I'm, I'm asking you, do you think, are you surprised or do you think it's realistic that UH alums will put together money or if it's a money, one money alum will say this, this is enough. He's, he is embarrassing our program. He has to go. I want him gone. This season is it, period. I think I, I'm foreseeing, and if you would have asked me this two weeks ago, I would have said that no way. I don't think the, the road could have fallen apart as as far as it could have. But seeing how frustrated, and it, it, it's interesting because quarterback Clayton Toon kind of, he was asked to summarize the first four games, and what he said was along the lines of there's been a lot of drama so far this season and um he kind of prefaced it by saying it's a lot of small things he feels that they can correct but it, it always it seems like team overall is just disorganized i mean even from looking at it and at an on-field perspective um 10 penalties in all four games they've committed 10 or more penalties in all four games which last time i checked it's the most in all they have the most penalties in all of college football i believe yes. at 43 <clears throat> total penalties that just goes back to undisciplined we mentioned in the let's rage coots uh 
stream yesterday when uh, for the past three weeks, Dana Hogerson has, has been talking about stupid stuff. He said it so much that he needs to trademark the short and the shirt, the phrase as much as he said it. Um, and, and really when you hear answers like that, I, I think it was a week ago when he was asked about uh, just playing a big 12 opponent and it has to do with getting more players or better players. That's brought a lot of alumni the wrong way as well. Uh, followed it, followed, followed it up this week with that comment. Um, where he said he's not going to take responsibility once again for the penalties. And then he followed it up with another comment that I, I don't think we have the clip specifically, but um, it was it was a question where he was asked, I think I, I'm the one that asked him just what he thought of the second half um, performance by Houston, because they, they give credit to, to the on-the-field product. They were able to rally, and and albeit it was Rice, but they were able to, to keep composure, and, and they took our business and beat the owls. And he, he went on to say that he's frustrated with having to continue to having to motivate the team. And I'm actually going to read the direct, direct quote because I have it. And this is a direct quote from Dana Holgerson. I'm tired of doing it, man. I'm tired of yelling at them, tired of motivating them, tired of all that crap. College football, nobody is feeling sorry for us. No one is feeling sorry for me. I am a little bit, but they did it. This is when he's talking about the comeback. They did come back. They went out and played better, end quote. So a lot of frustration and, and those answers, I think it's really starting to get a lot of people. There's a lot of momentum. And depending on how the rest, now that they're starting conference play, if the rails really go off the train for Houston, I can totally see a lot because he's not winning the public battle at all whatsoever. If they did a poll on him uh, like they do for presidential candidates, I'm sure his approval rating would be less than 20 percent if like that might and honestly that might even be generous um so a couple of weeks weeks ago i would have said their hands are tied just because of the extension they gave them after last season but with the way the season has gone a lot of the public opinion honestly i wouldn't be surprised if they're one really bad game away from him getting out there uh, hearing will's responses I, I tend to agree with him especially from a coaching leader and and someone that's in that position you it's so weird. You're not, not often going to hear a coach say that uh, about his players, um, especially when it comes to sports. There's a lot of often times where you hear the cliches of, yeah, we, we were able to pull together. We won, but there's a lot of stuff we have to clean up and, and flood out. It, I get it. It's frustration, and it's it's something a lot of fans are feeling just in terms of how Houston has looked on the field. But you, you just can't say stuff like that, especially when it comes to your players. And Will. To add to the comments, the refusing to take responsibility, his play calling and decision making is now in qu in question. Toward the end of the game, <laughs> he accepted penalties that made no sense. Uh, he called timeout, and I'm, I might have been wrong, and I was corrected on it last night. But he called timeout. Rice, what was it, Andy? Got the ball. It was a. 51-yard Hail Mary. Well, yeah, they got the ball that, on the four, their own four-yard line um, with less than a minute left, like 30 seconds. What, when, the drive started, when the drive yeah. started? Yeah, they started at their own six, and own they six. drove down 85 yards in 24 seconds. No timeouts. Um, Bryce so had like no timeouts. 85 yards in 23 seconds, actually. And they got to one second. I can't remember. So it's 85 yards. They were probably about somewhere between the 15 and 20-yard line. And they had one final chance to to Mike uh, the Bryce head coach after the game he was asked about it and he, he and it looks like they would have probably gone for two but twenty less than twenty four seconds 
They're up seven. Rice is pinned back at its own six-yard line, and they drive March down the field 85 yards and have a chance. And honestly, in the final play, whenever McCaffrey, when TJ McMahon first threw the pass to McCaffrey, I thought he had caught it. And that yeah. <laughs> that would have yeah. been – that would have been – Check this out, Will. Mm-hmm. Eight seconds left. Rice is probably at the 40. Quarterback TJ McMahon throws a bomb. Hail Mary. Eight seconds on the clock. Rice has no timeouts. Wide receiver, Rosner catches it. Okay. First down, automatic first down. Officials decide there's some confusion. Officials decide that play took seven seconds. Okay. Leave it one second left on the clock. Mm-hmm. Through the confusion, Dana calls timeout. <laughs> what? Yes. Well, the referee said that they were going to stall the start the play on the on the whistle. So Rice, it they, it had been a, a cluster where the officials literally had um, no idea what what was going on. At long story short, they decided it was one second left. But that given time for Rice to line up, and uh, it would have been interesting if they would have blown the whistle. I don't know what would have happened if if they would have had enough time to be able to to snap the ball in that one second. But Overson decided to catch time to call timeout and and. I guess, game plan for, for the defensive strategy. Yeah, to allow Rice and UA to set up strategy. Okay, that's the rationale you, you can use. But Andy's right. Well, uh, wow. Lou McCaffrey beat UH's DB on the slant. The pass to him was just a step, a step behind him. Rice could have caught it for the touchdown to move within one, potentially setting up and- to go for two. And the head coach said he would have gone for two had they. Uh, he probably would have gone for two had yeah. they gone for it. The stadium would have been there. Were, Rice there probably were... would have won because he would have been in shock, you know, for everything happening in those last thirty seconds or so. And ninety-four yard have, drive. We have a clip where Hogerson kind of references that, and it, it just boils down to frustration. I'm gonna play it. I'm gonna play it uh, right now. Give Rice a lot of credit. Uh, they put a lot into this one. You can tell they're coming off a good win last week, so you know they were feeling pretty good about themselves. At the end of the day, it was a heck of a football game. Uh, you know, uh, it's the 44th time for the Bayou Bucket. I mean, it means something to a lot of people, like I said, all week. And it's not surprising this was a close game. Uh, I'm happy with the way our team just kept playing and, and found a way to win at the end. Very happy with that. Next question. Dana, have you ever started a season with, you know, four games in a row quite like this? Yeah. You know, all, you know this close in this? No. I, I, but I, I can't remember that. And there's... Things that I've seen in these four games that I haven't seen ever in 32 years of coaching. It's, we'll, we'll line up and do it again next week. Six nights from the night, got another one. So it's going to come in pretty hot. What are some of those things that you have more that over? The inability to be able to play defense with no time on the clock. God dang. Into half, into, into game. I mean, it's, it's every game. I mean, how about offensively? We get a dang first down and victory it. We can't. I mean, our short yardage offense was was pitiful. And you know, I'm not just mad at the defense or some of this stuff. I mean, offense can get victory formation and close the damn game out. We couldn't. You know, so then we got to give them the ball, and they almost go 96 yards and what amounted to what 24 seconds. God dang, I hadn't seen anything like this ever. Uh, you know, I don't know how many penalties we had, probably 20, you know, and that's four games in a row with double digits. I, I, don't, I don't know. I've, 
coached the same way for 32 years, and it's hard, and it's, it's getting irritated. <clears throat> That's the problem. <laughs> well, I've coached the, the problem, same way. I coached the same way for 32 years. So you're having a ball. Chris, you're doing the same thing, expecting different results. That's the same thing you said. the same thing last night. Exact same thing, Will. Wait a minute. That's bad. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I had some other stuff, but that right there was the money shot. Like, bro, I'm doing, I'm coaching the same way for the last 32 years. Therein lies the problem. But I'm going to put this comment up, Tony M., I'm glad you have your initial for your last name and not a full name because I wouldn't want to out you like this. But regarding firing Dana and paying the buyout, this is a, an issue. <clears throat> Who's, what, what is this buyout? If, does anyone know? Do you know? Oh, uh, we'd have to put it up. It's, okay. Yeah. It's 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 not a lot of money for Buckeyes. <laughs> okay. It's it's a lot of money to UH people. Okay. It's not a lot of money. For big time programs, who who say they're big time programs? Let me let me, aren't let me you, aren't you, say aren't that. Going, aren't you going to the Big Twelve? Well, well, I you, digress. You know how I feel. <laughs> you know how I feel about about Man. this. Um, so we're going to see because he he is embarrassing the program with his comments. His Red Bull and Vodka comments are, are known nationwide now. Um, let me see here. His excuse making is worse. All right, let me see if I can get to the buyout. And, and I noticed he's earlier his, his earlier comments. It was they, 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 mm-hmm. they, 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 they. Aren't you a part of this? Aren't you the leader? Aren't you the head? Doesn't it flow from the top? It's supposed to. Yeah. So to, to so to separate. That was kind of interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying like this. Uh, he signed an extension for four years worth $18.2 million. To the next five years, basically it's $5 million per year. So $25 million. So let's say the buyout is $18 million. You know, I'm just putting, I'm putting it out there because I don't know exactly. So let's, let's say that's what it is. $18 million, Until we know exact number. That's a lot of money to us. <laughs> But to, I hate to pin it all on him because he has been a UH uh, money man for so long. But the Tillman, I, let me get to that. I got that in my drawer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that, that's what it comes down to is how many buddies does Dana still have to vouch for him despite these piss poor refusal of being a leader and being accountable for your team and your program statements he's making constantly now. And they're two and two. And folks are beginning, I think, to have concerns about UH in AAC play. Now that's about to begin. You know, before the oh. season, oh, no problem. We're going to run through the conference, no problem. And I folks like, the, well, <laughs> I don't what's, the AAC? what's the AAC? It's this conference that they forgot about, you know, then moving to the Big 12. Yeah, next, they were the Big 12. next summer. Yeah, you know, next summer that's that's happening next summer, but yeah. Okay. So and Andy, have you seen the line for Friday's game against Tulane? Uh not yet, but I can I can pull that up in a second. 
So I picked the Green Wave. No, straight up. I, no, I think anybody, I think everybody is. Well, you know, uh, and it's Houston's blackout game. Oh my gosh. It's going, going oh, to be oh, what, was the, what, was, what was the crowd? What was the crowd? Yes, sir. Announced crowd of twenty six thousand. Okay. Against and let me, let me put this up because y'all know where I'm gonna go in a few seconds. Um Kristen Trahan, tight end for Houston. Captain, a captain. I didn't know that. Goes out for the coin toss. Tight end was important to the offense last season, Will. Okay, pass catching tight end. Important. Utilized. I'm not sure he's caught more than two passes the whole season this year, these first four games. Wow. Who's the play call? Who's the OC? Andy. Which gets into to another point. The first four games this season, Houston's offense has struggled in the first half of three of those first four games. The last two games, it seems like at halftime, Dana decides maybe I should call the plays because in the third quarter, they're much more aggressive. Where was this in the first two quarters? Where, where Mr. Genius? Mr. Who, who, is Genius? who is the play caller? I'm uh, what's his name? I'm uh, looking through it. Um, Shannon Dawson is the yes, passing he, game coordinator, but they don't have an official offensive coordinator, at least not on their their yeah, list. It's a title, but I think Shannon Dawson, you know, he 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 does it <laughs> poorly, as Alonzo pointing out and calling him out uh, with his Doug O'Brien type play calls. So it's just not it's not good. Will it's not a good look. The performances yesterday. And to, and to add to that, Christian Trahan, he's caught five passes for 36 yards all season uh, through four games. And, uh, I mean, credit to James Mueller from the Daily Cougar, obviously friend of the show. He's a, Well, I guess he's kind of a co-host of the show now uh, with how often he is. But he he asked Dana Horvison about Trahan this previous week. And, um, honestly, we didn't really get a response. We had vague comments that he had been dealing with. A, the way they phrased it was a physical um, a physical issue or uh, some type of issue that was uh, limiting the way Trahan practiced. Trahan was made available to reporters on Tuesday. He was asked about it. He said it was something physical, but it never got into anything specific. Trahan himself, when he was asked if it had limited his practice time, he kind of kept it vague where he said, even, even if I'm not able to be on the practice field, I'm still able to get the mental reps and stuff like that. But um, yeah, he, he has been an on-factor for Houston on the offensive game. And quite frankly, the tight ends in general uh, have been an on-factor for Houston in the first four games. Which I, I don't understand. It, and it doesn't... Go ahead. Um... The, the other comment that uh, WREX32 had, had asked, or, or REX32 had asked ahead um, or a little bit before where he was asking why Houston didn't accept the roughing the kicker penalty. Um, well, that had been set up because they decided to – they were at midfield. That was when they, they were – I believe it was a third and one or third and short. They opted to run right down the middle with Tejon Henry. They didn't pick it up, mm-hmm. and that set up the the final punt to – um, back to Rice that, that led to the final 85-yard play. And it, since it was third and it was fourth and one after they didn't pick it up, they opted to take the delay of game. And then when they did punt, it was a roughing the kicker. So they would have... Run, running kicked, into the kicker. Or running into the kicker. Yeah. So it was only the five-yard penalty. It would have put them back where they started. So they, they opted to not accept it and just let Rice start from from the six. Yeah. So it, w- it went from fourth and one, the delay of game, fourth and six. 
running into the kicker back to fourth and one, and they punted, or the ball ended up after the running into the kicker inside Rice's 10 yard line. So <clears throat> he went with the odds, I guess. You know, you think your defense can stop a team who has no timeouts from going. Yeah, no timeouts, 24 seconds. 95 yards to tie the game up. And Rice's coach, Bloomgren, burned his last timeout on a challenge call. So that was on him. He had a, he, if he had that timeout, game might have, Rice might have won. <laughs> I mean, and we're talking Rice. Rice football, Rice has improved. Yes. The talent level has gotten better for Rice and Will. Yes, sir. We touched on this a lot last night during the postgame show, Les Red Coos postgame show. Rice's receivers beat Houston DBs one-on-one almost the entire game. Yeah, they could. They could. At will. <laughs> at will. Off the line scrimmage, look, slants, I mean, look at deep the... routes. I mean, all day. Three receivers, pick a receiver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just look at the – looking at the stats, uh, the Rice had – Three different receivers go over 50 yards. They had two receivers finish with over 100 yards. And, I mean, McCaffrey could have ended up having the the sealer. He, it looked like, he, again, going back to that final play where it was a bang-bang. They were right there, and they could have done it. But uh, Houston's secondary has really, really struggled for, for much of the season, the entire season. And, again, a similar script. They just can't stop teams when it comes to those situations, those game-clinching situations, even going back – um, to the Texas Tech game when they were at a fourth and twenty in the first overtime, if they had stopped, they had gotten the stop on fourth and twenty, they would have won that game against Texas Tech, and they allowed the Red Raiders to convert on that fourth and twenty uh, against Kansas. That a little bit different. It wasn't much more of an aerial attack, but they couldn't stop the rush at all um, from Kansas's attack. And against UTSA, they were in a similar situation at at the end of regulation, where I think it was. Correct me if I'm wrong. It might have been twenty three seconds that UTSA had um, and the Roadrunners were able to drive down the field and, and get in position to kick the game time field goal that forced the, the overtime. So the secondary on the defense overall has really struggled in those late game game clinching situations. That Then that was something that Dana Hogerson was alluding to in that clip uh, that we played where he was talking about he'd, he'd done the same thing for 32 years and he hasn't seen something quite like that. And this is after De'Anthony Jones made the two plays back-to-back sacks. sacks. And, you know, the strip sack led to the uh, Caesar scoop and score that gave the Cougs the go-ahead touchdown. For the most part, the defensive line came through in the fourth quarter, but not on the final drive for Rice. I mean, Rice, those 24 seconds, almost scored the game-winning touchdown on a 95-yard drive, 94-yard, whatever it was. So they didn't get it done in those final seconds. So, again, that's a concern. And if you are tuning in late to this edition of Folks Talking Sports, uh, Houston's best defensive lineman, Derek Parrish, Andy, what is, was it a torn bicep? That's the, that's the report? According to Mark Berman of the Houston Chronicle, that, that is a torn bicep that he suffered in Houston's win over Rice. And if he is 
if he does require surgery, it's likely going to cost him the rest of the season, which um, really brutal to see. Derek Parrish is a, obviously, like you mentioned, he, he's put together a pretty great season considering that he's been playing with a right cast. And I mean, every time he talks to reporters, he's one of the good quotes and, and he just seems like a, a really good person to be around. But that's what Mark Berman said, uh, torn or injured bicep that could potentially cost him the season. But I have not been able to confirm as of now. So uh, hopefully he has he gets a healthy recovery. Uh, and another thing, I know it's football, it's a different sport. Coach Hogerson referenced the injuries that are really hitting Houston football right now. He mentioned 10 to 12 starters um, during the game. I think two of Houston's offensive linemen went out, missed time because of injuries, ankle, knees, et cetera. Wide receiver Tang Dell missed the game, missed, checked out a game with an ankle issue on a, I thought, kind of a dirty tackle, you know, trying to twist his knee and ankle on a, on a tackle. Um, <clears throat> Coach Hogerson is nice. He's getting into we're injured. We got too many injuries. Different support, different coach, different leader, different response. Will Andy. Rex, 3220M, D-Skills, H-Town, watching on YouTube. The Houston Cougars men's basketball team got to the Elite Eight with basically three guards. Two of their best guards missed the second half of the season, right? Right? Yep. Yep. Correct. And yet, they were they, – Coach Sampson and staff, but Coach Kelvin Sampson found a way, figured out a way – to guide that team deep into the tournament, to still win, to still win the conference championship despite those injuries. I mean, either you have depth, either you know what you're doing or you don't. <laughs> and you don't make excuses. I mean, and you heard it through many times in the uh, press conference, Coach Sampson said it. Sometimes... You get injuries. You go through an injury plague season. It happens. Sometimes you go through a season without injuries. That's part of the job. Mm-hmm. Year to year, it's a different team, different things, different circumstances. You adjust. You adapt. The Cougs basketball team still kept winning. Dana Hogerson's like, well, guys, now we're getting injured. So I'm not responsible for what happens the rest of the season because if we're getting injured. You know, who knows? What, what, it won't even be my fault because we're not banged up. I, that's that's gonna be next, Will. <laughs> I mean, don't do you only coach the first twenty-two, or do you coach the full eighty-five, or the full one hundred and five, or however many? I mean, that's uh, I mean, oh wow. Yeah, wow. there we go. Okay, it, it looks like Joseph Duarte found, I think, a better info at the end of this year. The buyout is eleven million dollars. Oh, good buy. Eleven point five. Yeah. See you. Through the end through December 31, it's 11.5 million. Uh, next year's 9.3. Oh, happy new year. 2024, 7.2. <laughs> oh, say less. Say you less. Know. We can stop. 9.3. Yeah. Let's go. Happy New Year. So yeah, January 1st, 2023. So next year, it's 9.3 million dollars. Oh. 9.39 million dollars. Say less. So That's... I I think I choose to believe. There are some Houston alums who can take care of that. 
Okay, I choose to believe that. All right, on their own. So we'll see. Dana's not going to change. Okay, he's set in his ways. The question is, have we reached the final straw? Will the losses begin? I think the losses in conference play will be more nails in the coffin. Okay. Uh, Agreed. I, I think that's what it's going to take. I mean, like, losses to, like, um, Baylor, TCU. <laughs> well, no, 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 Will. See, Will. You said conference losses, right? Right, right, right. Well, you know, I, I'm not one of them. The Cougs are still in, oh. in the American Athletic Conference. Oh. They're, 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 they're still playing Tulane this Friday, 6 p.m. on ESPN. My bad. The, the blackout game. My. Oh, boy, there. Um, and then at Memphis, it's going to be a struggle. At Navy should be the the most winnable because at Navy and South Florida at SMU is going to be a problem. Temple should not be a problem, but who knows what's going to happen at between September 30th and then on November 12th. Hey, I know I said it for Lance Leopold, and I meant it, and I kind of mean it now. Don't sleep on Stan Drayton. Don't sleep on Stan Drayton. Okay, yeah. They're getting better. And who's to say the players, the U.S. players, are just get fed up? With when is that game? Against Temple? Temple, yes. November 12th? Okay. Yeah, November 12th. Home Houston, in Houston, November 12th. Okay. So... You know, we'll see. I think this Friday's game against Tulane, it's the first game of Houston's final season in the American Athletic Conference. So it's a conference game. The Cougs still have a chance to play for the conference championship, the AAC conference championship. (laughs) They still have a chance to host that AAC championship game, which would probably be the only way T-D-E-C-U Stadium gets a full crowd is if the Cougs get to the conference championship game. But beyond that, UH men's basketball practice starts on Tuesday, September 27th. September 27th. <laughs> so <laughs> there we go. See what I did there? Uh, yep. And some good news for UH fans especially UH men's basketball fans. Uh, Top 100 big man on Friday, Jacob McFarlane announced his verbal commitment to Coach Kelvin Sampson and the Cougs. So he is the third commitment for the class of 2023, joining who, Andy? Cordelius Jefferson and JoJo Tugler from Texas, 6'4 guard and 6'8 forward. That's a good. That's a good segue. I had to let me check the draft class. Last when I checked it on Friday, that still hadn't updated. But Houston was ranked twentieth nationally, uh, their twenty twenty three class before he had commit. So I'm curious to see how those rankings have changed since then. So, and uh, let me also add, Jacob McFarland is from California, Rancho Verde, Verde, California. California. So that's a national commit. He. 
It's slim right now, Will. Wow. He's 6'10", 6'11", 205. And oh, that's Okay. So And his commit, Jumped yeah. Houston, is overall ranking from 20th to – they now have the 11th best ranking nationally heading into – for the class of 2023. So Ohio State still four? Glance at the other teams. Look at Ohio State and how many other teams from the Big 12 do you see? In there. Uh, let me see if I can pull up the oh, – yeah, take the time to pull it up, but – but will oh, I got it. So, go ahead. Ohio State is actually they fallen. Will they're now fifth? Oh, five. Kentucky, oh, Kentucky is four. <laughs> oh, um, number one is Duke with uh, at, when it comes to class of twenty three commits. Michigan State at two. UConn at three. Kentucky at four. Ohio State at five. Iowa State at six. Oregon at seven. Tennessee at eight. Maryland at nine. Xavier at ten. And then there's Houston at eleventh. For class of 20. Keep going, keep going. Go through, go through 20. See if we got any more big 20. So we got Oklahoma State, another okay. Big 12 team. We got Marquette at 13th, Ole Miss at 14th, Penn State at 15th, Kansas at 16th, Baylor at 17th, Kansas State at 18th, and then Louisville 19th, and then UCLA rounds out the top 20. So 20. that's about five Big 12 off the top of my head, five in the top 20. Iowa State, Houston, Kansas, Baylor, uh, six. Because you said Kansas State and Oklahoma State, right? Correct. Wow. Okay. And, and Kansas speak, probably go up. So speaking of Kansas, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Trevor. Hey, you look. counted Houston as the Big Twelve, correct? Yeah. Yes. So yep, that's with Houston is six. Yep. But Jacob McFarland, he'll get stronger working with Coach Bishop. But his his backstory is he had no Division One scholarship offers after after last school year. None. Okay. Coach Sampson, again, and the staff, they find these diamonds in the rough, and they have a great track record of coaching these guys up and helping them get better, get stronger. So, Jacob McFarland, 6'10", 6'11". Right now, he's, he's a shot blocker. Well, he's a shot blocker and a, and a lob threat. That's what he is right now. Okay. And the things, the comments that he said when he announced his decision to come into Houston, kind of along those lines that he had, was really sold. Well, first he mentioned how the family atmosphere at Houston stuck out to him, but then he also went on to talk about how the vision that Calvin Sampson for him really uh, told him to come to the program. And he said, like, like you said, Chris, being able to develop him as a defensive player and expand his offensive game from being more of a rim runner or something along the lines that he said, just overall being able to, to come to Houston. The interesting quote he said is that Samson didn't promise him any specific rotational minutes or, or promised him anything like that. And he followed it up with saying he didn't want anything handed to him. So. I mean, just off those quotes, I mean, <laughs> Kelvin kind of talked – exactly, <laughs> exactly. Kelvin talked about it on on the Thursday that he spoke uh-huh. um, to media. And, and look, the next day, the newest commit looks like he's already been wearing red for the past how many months or years. But he's not. He hasn't yet. But, again, it goes back to who they recruit and exactly the type of players that they look for when they recruit, which is something that – Sampson kind of preaches every time he speaks to us, and you can see it from from top to bottom. And viewers, listeners, folks watching us on Twitter and YouTube, I'm putting it out there to the universe. Hope it happens. Working on it. Just thinking positive. I'm going to try to get an interview with Jacob some point soon. So let's put that out there. Hope that happens, okay? Uh, but yeah, another good get, a national get. And I noticed 
that um, on his IG that at least eight, if not more, Cougs were following Jacob on IG <laughs> before he announced. <laughs> so, and I mean, most of the other players and stuff, I didn't recognize, obviously recognized the, the Cougar names. So that all added to the commit, family atmosphere, the vibe. And Jacob acknowledged that he had he connected and bonded with Jojo Tugler and Cordelius Jefferson when he made his visit. So, and Cordelius even uh, on Thursday tweeted out that he was looking forward to Jacob's announcement on Friday. So, and uh, and Jojo, he's been retweeting a couple of stuff too after the announcement that the McFarland made. So, I mean, they're already it, look, it looks like they're already a tight knit group for the yeah. class of 2023. So the family atmosphere looks good. It's a positive. Looking forward to Will Houston basketball officially joining the Big 12 July 1, 2023. So that's months away. Mm-hmm. Basketball season in the American practice begins on Tuesday. So Coach Sampson and the players are getting ready for one final season in the American Athletic Conference starting this Tuesday. And Coach Sampson is making a point. Everybody knows. He's focused on this season. Stop asking him about next season, Big 12. Nope, nope, nope. He will say it. Fans who follow the team know it. I want the guys to get better September and October. And then October to November. And then November to December. December, January, etc. And be playing our best basketball in March. And hopefully April. That's what he's going to say. Do not waste Colleagues, media, if you're listening, if you don't know any better, do not ask him about, well, coach, what do you think about the Big 12? Unless you want to get looked at sternly or almost cussed out. Because he'll <laughs> be like, uh, what conference are we playing in? Where are we right now? In the American. Okay, so why are we asking about the Big 12? <laughs> okay, so that's his focus is the American Athletic Conference. As well as should be. Thank you. Mr. Gibson, we hadn't talked talk to you since the Browns beat the Steelers on Thursday a few days ago. But your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? My thoughts, is, I thank you for asking me because I, I thought this literally as I was driving home. Um, I owe Kevin Stefanski a couple of apologies. One, I apologize for last year thinking he was in over his head. And I apologize for underestimating him this year. Because what I saw Thursday night with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, and I know this is Prasada Nangrada in Houston, but once Deshaun Watson gets back December 4th, this is about to be real scary. Because Jacoby Brissett is serviceable. He's He is what we thought he was. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a serviceable quarterback. He, he, he does what he does. And the things I saw him do in Kevin Stefanski's offense Thursday night, I'm like, when four gets back, let alone Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, but when four gets back, I mean, he's allowed, he's allowed in the building in two more weeks. So October 10, two weeks from tomorrow, he's allowed back in the building. And then he's able to practice mm-hmm. on November 27th. But he's allowed back in the building on October 10th. But 
when he hits the field, it's going to be scary because of what I saw that offense do to Pittsburgh on Thursday night with Jacoby Brissett. It's going to be very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Will, don't the Cavs uh, have media, media, media tomorrow. tomorrow? Oh, to that point, at that game Thursday night, the dog pound captains, each 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 home game, the, the Cleveland Browns defend a section of the of the uh, north end zone is called dog pound, mm-hmm. and they have dog pound captains. And the dog pound captains for Thursday's game, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I read about that. Yeah. So I'm sure the, the, the fans love that. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. And then the Cavs make some news. Dean Wade. Dean Wade, three year, $18.6 million contract extension. Did that yes, surprise sir. you? Somewhat. Um, I knew they I know they like him. Mm-hmm. I know they like him. Uh that was a, a interesting financial commitment. Um, but he he's done nothing but improve and flourish under the under the development of, of JB Bickerstaff and his staff. So I'm not surprised they kept him. Uh I was interested to hear three years eighteen point six. But no, he he's earned I mean, you know, the pair to, to quote Drake, he started from the bottom and now he's here, yeah. literally. So no, I wasn't surprised to hear him uh staying. And let me add, toss this out for everybody. Um, and folks talking about Dean Wade getting six million per year. I'm not mad at him. The Cavs got it. Good for him. But let me say this: when the next TV NBA TV deal is announced and finalized, and if the league is able to reach its goal of almost what tripling. It's media rights deal to $8 billion, eight, eight or $9 billion. We're still behind yeah. the NFL. Okay, think about that. <laughs> right. Eight or $9 billion for the NBA. Ultimately, the, the salary cap, the team salary cap might approach $200 million. Yep. Which means dudes at the end of the bench, the end of the rotation, We'll be making salaries that you're like, what in the hell? But again, good for them. Because Absolutely. the teams don't have it, they wouldn't offer it. Okay? So just keep that in mind going forward. The contract that uh, Dame Lillard got is getting right now, what is it, $50 million per, 54 whatever, per yeah. season. That's going to seem tame for some of these elite Elite NBA players in a few years, dudes might be getting seventy-five million, maybe even a hundred million. Yeah. Okay. So let's think about that. Okay. Just prepare yourself for that going forward when the next TV deal for the NBA is hammered out. The Players Association and the NBA owners have until December this year to, if they want to open up negotiations or just extend it. There'll be some tweaks here and there, but they're not—they're not going to kill the Golden Goose right now. So. There won't be any uh, lockout labor, you know, nothing, no strikes, anything like that. They'll get this done. So the money will just be rolling in. And all this, I'm happy to say, my man, D-Skills H-Town is too. 
NBA League Pass this season, discount price, 99 bucks. So 99 bucks. So the NBA is like, hey, we're going to get our fans, lower that price, hopefully increase subscriber amounts. So look forward to that this season as well. Leonard Maddox with this comment as we wind it down here. Oh, on Post talking sports. And we're getting ready for going to do a lead in room. The ad next corner. Quickly, Chris, before. Go ahead. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, but I was just going to say an update in terms of the Derek Parrish injury. Uh, the, a Houston source said they couldn't confirm uh, whether he has actually torn his bicep at that time. So mm-hmm. it looks like they're at least holding it until Monday when Holgerson speaks if, before they make any official announcements. So they could not confirm uh, the report that he's torn his bicep, the defensive and Derek Parrish for, for the Houston Cougars. that would probably keep him out for the rest of the season. So, yeah, they won't confirm it until, you know, UH Dana talks about tomorrow. So it's part of the, the business of, you know, colleagues breaking those stories. Hopefully Berman hasn't talked to Derek Parrish about his injury, you know, doing so that's what he does sometimes. So it goes right to the players by injuries, you know. But Leonard Maddox, Cougar fans are non-existent. It's embarrassing. We talked about it. I did my monologue on it. You can go to Paul Majama or go to Houston Round Bar Review on IG for my almost four minutes about it. Houston fans, they're not enough hardcore fans, ride or die, win or loss Houston fan. Well, you know it. You're learning. You're learning in this year plus on folks talking <laughs> sports about the Houston Cougar mindset. Doesn't compare it to the Ohio State Buckeye fans. Doesn't compare. Hmm. They're not enough. There may be ten to fifteen thousand ride or die UH fans. Okay, I think fifteen thousand being generous, maybe wishful thinking. But in order to be a big time program, got to get to 25, 30. 40, 50,000 ride or die alums who support the program, win or lose. And I'm not saying be blindly loyal. Okay. I'm not saying excuse Dana Hogerson's bizarre, asinine comments. Call them for what they are. Hold them accountable. Hold the administration accountable. But still support Houston Cougars athletics. Houston Cougars football, basketball, baseball, tennis, golf, track, all those sports. Because to sum it up, if we, I'm an alum, if we don't support Houston athletics, who will? So there you go, Andy. And and real quick reminder, the AdMax Corner is going to talk from my man, A.D. Moore, will be on the AdMax Corner playlist on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel at 7.15 this evening. 7.15 7.15 Central Time, 8.15 Eastern Time to talk about the Texans' loss at the Bears, a three-point loss. The Texans are now what? Uh, 0-2-1. 0-2-1. So yet to beat in, in the win, in, win column. But A.D. Moore, we talk about the Texans. So fans, you can watch him and send your comments and vent and complain and, and do what you do there. Tank for Bryce. That's, what, that's the mindset. Or C.J. So, Stroud, of course. Will. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was waiting for it. Who? I'm like, Mike Jones up in here. Who? Yeah. Uh, but, Andy, you can comment on, on Leonard's comments about fans, and then we'll wind it down. 
No, I mean, I think a lot of it was said, and and you kind of, Chris, you went back and forth a little bit with a couple of commenters during last night's Let's Rage Cougs, just in terms of being able to support the program. And like you said, not necessarily be blindly a supporter, but obviously being able to call out stuff when, when they need to be called out. But just in terms of supporting the players, supporting the program, showing up at games, supporting supporting the the program overall, just in terms of financials and just being out at games and, and being uh, not necessarily blindly followers, but being able to, to build an atmosphere that a, in the long term is going to benefit Houston overall, because when they do bring in recruits, they can leave a mark that there's, this is a place where I could see myself in the future. This is a place that could become a destination. And what you got a lot of pushback from, from people in last night's last rage Coops was that we're not going to show up unless one Houston shows that they've, are going to put a product on the field that's going to make them want to show out or two, they get better opponents, which again, they, they, they kind of went back to the well of whenever they moved to the big 12 and they have Baylor's uh, Texas tech TCU in town, that's going to be when they start to show up, which again, goes back to the long theme of you know, Houston fans don't show up to watch the Cougars play, but they show up to watch the opponent, which even with a successful program as the men's basketball team has established the last few years, we still, we even with them, they still saw some of that when the non-conference slate was announced, and there weren't necessarily as as many, uh, quoting some fans, as many marquee matchups as they would like at Fertitta Center. Will, any thoughts on what we've said from a premier Big Ten program, the Ohio State University? Um, I don't know. Yeah, but I'm just thinking. So fans won't show up until they put a, a product on the field. I get it. I get it. But I think I heard you say, because I watched your clip, you said something about they more so come for the opponent versus as opposed to the home team. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of summarizing what yes. you said? Okay. So I guess my issue with that is, why are you coming? If it's all about the opponent, go to Waco, yeah. go to Lubbock. Go to, I mean, yeah. I don't know the di- I yeah. don't know the geographics. So if I'm off, tell me. I don't know how far those those campuses are, but I, I, that's crazy to me. That I must rather go see the opponent than to come see my home team. I don't build that camaraderie with my homeschool, but I much rather come support, because that's what you're doing. You're calling yourself a... Honestly, to be truthful, I... Uh, say it. Say I it. No, no. Say it. Here I go. No. <laughs> how do you call these people... How do you call these people fans? If I'm only coming to see the opponent? They're not fans. How, how is that a fan that I'm only coming to see the opponent? Yeah. That's... I don't know. That's just me. But I, that's that's... I'm just non-conference. I was trying to look up real quick Houston's non-conference schedule next year. I don't know. Does anybody know football? that? Football? Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. They have one of them that's slated for Rice. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that may be part of it, too. Like, bro, if you, you, you know, step your game up. But, but I mean, yes, but that also gets into it. You want to see the opponent, not Houston. And Back. I, I just don't understand 
I mean, it must be I a sponsorship. I have three thing. of those non-conference opponents for yeah, Houston. Most of them UTSA. So UTSA is going to be back at TDCU Stadium. That is, that's actually going to be the season opener, at least the September 2 game, uh, um, which would be the week one game. I don't imagine if Houston could yeah. schedule something. But September 2 against UTSA at, TDC, at TDCU Stadium. So if it's anything like it was this past year, that's 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 a game that would be worth going to September 9, this time at Rice. And then they have a game September 23 against Sam Houston, the Sam Houston Bearcats. That's the three opponents wow. they have so far for, for non-conference. So they have, uh, depending on the Big 12 schedule, because the Big 12 plays nine conference games, correct? Yes. Yes. If they don't, they so will. That would, yeah. that would that would so then that would be the three that would be the three non conference games. And I get it. I mean, I'm looking at Ohio State. So again, I can only go by what I know. And Ohio State, they they say this that we, our template, our formula, is to have one high profile non conference game a year at home. This year was Notre Dame. Next year is Notre Dame. Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So. Next year, looking at it now, conference September 9, Youngstown State at the shoe in Columbus. September 16th, Western Kentucky in Columbus. And September 23rd at Notre Dame. You know, that's pretty much the template. You know, going to 2024 at Washington, Saturday, September 14th. That's the pro. I know going down the line, I think. 25 and or 26 and 27, it's Texas. Mm-hmm. I think 27 and 28, Alabama. So it's always that one high profile top five matchup. And then the the the, the Western Kentucky or the, the sure. Arkansas State. You know, there's a formula, a, a, a major, a power five program, top power five program. Yep. Then a mid-tier, and then maybe an FCS. Nah, we don't. We can't. No, no, not not you guys. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. that's what Pesman has said. He, that's okay. a formula, okay. you know. And okay. some power programs stick to that, you know, a top tier, mid FBS, and then FCS. Yeah. Others like the Ohio State are different. They're all all FBS, but one top tier. The coups yeah. going forward at twenty four, UNLV, Boise State, twenty five, Colorado, Boise State, twenty six, Utah, Colorado, Georgia Southern. 27, Utah, Georgia Southern, 28, UNLV, Sam Houston. Okay? And then add in Rice, which I don't I don't understand playing Rice. I know it's the Bayou Bucket, City Channel, all, all mm-hmm. that. Got to be a huge sponsorship amount because From Rice ATV. just does not – they don't support football. Their support of football is less than Houston support of football. Okay? So the money doesn't make sense. It just, it's not a money-making game to play Rice. And I'm not sure how much of a rival it is between Houston and Rice and football. I don't care if they're less than five miles apart from each other. It's just not a, it doesn't make sense financially to pay, play Rice in football. On that note, we're going to wrap it up. Tony M, Linda Maddox, thank you. D-Skills H-Town, everybody watching on YouTube, watching Folks Talking Sports on Folks Talk Sports Twitter account. Always appreciate it. Will, how can folks find you? And interact with you on social media. Can you can you put it on the crawl? Because I want I want to ask and I use my time for something else. Yeah, kind of. All right, I want, I'm a, I'm a cake for my man CJ Stroud since we talk about tank for young and all of that. No, let's let's <laughs> get with CJ. So last night, 
55-21 win over Wisconsin. CJ was 17-27, 281 yards, five touchdowns, which is a nation-leading 16 for the season. He leads the nation in touchdown passes, 16 after five last night. His first interception of the season was thrown last night. So, and another interesting stat that uh, I think people would love to hear and, and keep this in mind as you uh, watch your Houston Texans play the rest of the season. Uh, CJ Stroud has started 16 games at Ohio State. Okay. 16 games he started at Ohio State. Seven of them, almost half, he's thrown five touchdown passes. Wow. Take that with you. No, that's all. <laughs> it's all up. Okay. And how can folks find you, sir, on social media? All right. Uh, Will Gibson7 on uh, Twitter, as well as Instagram. Will Knows on Facebook. And uh, WTGSports.com. Indianez, you're next, sir. How can folks find you? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter at Ayanez underscore five. Busy week when it comes to Houston Athletics. Dana Horgerson will have his press conference tomorrow morning. And then, like you alluded to, Chris, Tuesday will be really busy. That's the day that that usually defensive coordinator Doug Belk has his availability. A couple of football players or a few football players speak. But then, of course, the men's basketball team kicks off their first practice of the season. So that's going to be something that a lot of UH fans are going to be looking forward to September 27th. And then the women's basketball team has their first practice on September 28th as well, which is this coming Wednesday. And then Houston and Tulane is on a Friday. So it's going to be a jam-packed week. And I am Chris Gardner, Twitter account, VHR Review, Houston Roundball Review on Instagram. I've been much more active on Instagram posting the last few days. Um, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube. I'm trying to be like my man, young man Andy Ines, posting content on different platforms. I forgot to plug that we are on TikTok now. Let's yeah. Rage Cougs on TikTok. And we, we've actually had, um, well, so far I've only used it to post a couple of the, of the post-game, post-game clips or the press conference clips, but so far it's done. Each clip has done about 400 views, which off the bat, I, I, I guess that's pretty decent for TikTok. But we're on TikTok. Let's reach Cougs. No caps, everything, no worst case, no extra stuff. It's just L-E-T-S-R-A-G-E-C-O-O-G-S. So let's reach Cougs on TikTok, Instagram, and then obviously, of course, Pod Jamma on Twitter and on YouTube. We are the goal, the road. I'm, I'm going to steal this from the NCAA. The road to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube is where we are at there. So, obviously, of course, be sure to follow Pots Nightmare Jam on YouTube. I'm not on TikTok yet, but I am pledging to do more uh, YouTube shorts with basketball coming up. So, get ready. I'm going to do a short tomorrow. And at some point, Will, I may start singing again. So, follow All me right. on Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram. ZHR Review on Twitter. Follow us overall on Folks Talk Sports here at Folks Talk Sports Twitter account. Subscribe to the channel at the Houston Round Bar Review. Subscribe to Paul Slamajama. Follow us on Twitter. It's about to get fun. Willie Gibson's going to be at the Cavs Media Day. I'll be at the Rockets Media Day. Rockets Media Day. So it's going to be a busy week. Um, tune in. Reminder as well to the AdMax Corner on the Houston Round Bar Review. In a few minutes, 7.15 Central, 8.15 8.15 Eastern. Our show, Folks Talking Sports, audio version, will be available on Spotify, iHeart, and Apple. So do that thing. Hit the like button. Hit that star button. Give us ratings. All those things. I'm doing better. 
for prom promoting our show. All of us are going to do better. I mean, I'm critical of youth marketing, so I got to do better myself. So we got to do better promoting our work. Go ahead, Andy. A couple of things. I just wanted to answer D Skills' question if I'm going to start doing dances for the TikTok. I mean, heck, if it, if it gets some views, I might have to start doing. I don't know. I, honestly, I'm not. I'm not that good when it comes to the TikTok trend. But if it'll get us views, I guess I got to hop on that train. And then uh, I just want to give huge shouts to Akib Ghazi, who obviously he helps us out when it comes to Let's Rage Cougs. He's one of the co-hosts there. It was the first his first time being at a Houston Cougars football game, and he helped me out a lot tremendously just being able to take the reins of the Pot Slamma Jam on Twitter and social media. He had a pretty he, – he, his post on Instagram got us a couple of followers and just engagement overall with, with the stories and stuff. Um, he has a lot of experience doing it for, for another platform on – on UFC, so he he has that experience and he really helped me out. So I just wanted to shout him out for that. Thanks to Aki. We're, we're growing, people. So join us, help us grow. Tell your friends about our show. Thank you, Tony M. D Skills, for the compliments, the kind words. We'll be back next Sunday and might have a special guest. Who knows? Tune in next Sunday on Folks Talking Sports. Take care. Peace. <laughs>